welcome to A Path to Redemption, the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you're continuing your journey with the Lord. I hope that you've had time to get with Him in prayer and also in Scripture. And I hope that you're enjoying this relationship, and I hope that you're enjoying your walk. Because at the end of the day, God wants us to have joy. God wants us to have peace. God wants us to have love and and all these other things. And it's important that we enjoy our relationship in Christ and enjoy that friendship, enjoy that brotherhood, enjoy that, that sonship and that daughtership that we all have with God. Amen. So tonight we're going to kind of continue on here with our look at iniquity. And look, I know that I rolled out a bomb last week when we talked about my own worst enemy and how self is the own worst enemy. So we kind of tonight need to go into a deeper dive here and really take a look at what the root of iniquity is. So we're going to be looking back at the fall of man. We're going to talk a little bit about Lucifer and his fall, and we're going to talk a little bit about what was found in him um, specifically. So, but until we get to that point, just remember, again, all of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you need a New King James Bible, just feel free to drop me an email at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. I'm here to help you. Also, again, don't take my word for it. Make sure you're studying to show yourself approved. Pray about the teachings. Pray about the, what's coming out of the podcast and, you know, see what God has for you and yourself. Right. I mean, it's just important to make sure that you're fostering your relationship and fostering your own growth in Christ. Amen. So let's go ahead and let's look at Genesis chapter three, verses one through 13. That's going to be our main scripture. And this is the scripture that pertains to the fall of man. So in Genesis chapter three and starting at verse one, the Bible says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you not eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Okay, so we have to understand here that we go back to the fall of man because that was the beginning of iniquity. Because if you remember, if you go back to verse 2, it says, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. 
and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and saw that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and then gave to Adam to eat. So if you remember a couple of podcast episodes in last season, we talked about how sin consciousness became became a thing, right? And they knew that they were naked, and they knew that it was wrong for them to be naked. Now, how could they know that it was wrong for them to be naked if they weren't looking at themselves and they weren't looking introspectively? And that's the problem here, right? Because sin consciousness came in and caused Adam and Eve to no longer focus on God, to no longer focus on relationships, no longer focus on tending to the garden, which was the work that God had given them. But rather what they did is they looked introspectively and they looked at themselves and they saw that they were naked. This is the beginning of iniquity. Why? Because what iniquity is, is it's that concept of self, where you look at yourself, you look at your needs, you look at your wants, you look at your desires, and ultimately you forget the things of God. And basically, your own flesh and your own self ends up taking the place of God. And that's, in essence, what happened here, right? Because if you remember, God was walking with Adam in the cool of the morning. I have no doubt that that happened repeatedly, that God and Adam would take strolls and that Adam would talk with God and God would talk with Adam as old friends would if they were walking down the street. But understanding that, that once he saw that he was naked, what did he do? He hid himself from God. Why? Out of shame. Why? Because he recognized that he looked introspectively and saw his own self, saw his own flesh, and that it was not worthy of what God wanted, right? So we have to understand then that even as we walk through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, our own flesh then has to die, and we must not look look introspectively, but look towards what God has, right? We must absolutely believe that God will meet our needs according to his riches and glory. Once we begin to have that trust and we truly believe that our lives really aren't our own and that we can give all that we are to God and we can throw ourselves on that altar and let him make of us what he wants to make of us, then life actually becomes a whole lot easier because it takes all the pressure off of you. You don't have to make those decisions. Why? Because God has already made those decisions. We talked about how the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So we have to understand then if our footsteps are going to be ordered, then God's going to make every decision in our life. Then we're really off the hook for it if we trust him and if we follow him. But we have to understand that looking at ourselves, looking at the things that we want, being prideful, being even self-pity is the opposite of the same coin as pride because you have your pride, which lifts you up, lifts you up, lifts us up in haughty. Look at me, look at me, look at I, look at I. And then on the flip side of that that coin is self-pity, which is basically, look at me, look at me, look at me, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And that's the flip side of that coin. It's just a different type of pride. But all of that stems from a concept of self, from a concept of self-consciousness, from a concept of not looking out towards the things of God and seeing Christ in everything that's happening, but rather being focused on ourselves, on our own problems and our own things, and not focusing on what God has and ultimately trusting him with everything that we have. So you see here that we that in the fall of man, that iniquity was kind of born in mankind. And because all of us were in Adam when he fell, all of us fell to iniquity from the very beginning. That's why when we are born, we are born into original sin because of Adam's sin here. Okay. So understanding that, looking at Genesis 
3 and verse 6, the scripture says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed the fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, if you go to 1 John chapter 2 and verses 15 through 17, the scripture says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So John here says that everything is the lust of the flesh, which going back again to Genesis 3, 6, she saw that the tree was good for food. That's the lust of the flesh. Think about it, that it was good for food. It was good to meet a need that she had, that Eve had, that she recognized that she had. I want to eat this food, okay? I had a desire to eat this food. That was a perceived self-reflection of the need that she had and did not believe that God, even though he had provided every other tree, you know, could actually go and, and, and provide that need for her outside of this tree. So, and then the second thing is that, you know, it's the lust of the eyes. So then what does it say? It says, the Bible says the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. She had a lust of the eyes for it. She saw the tree. She saw the fruit. She, it was pleasant to look at. It was something that she wanted and something that she desired. So her desires were no longer about the things of God, but rather the desires were the things of the things that she wanted, which the fruit was what she wanted. And and then finally, the pride of life. And if you see how this scripture ends up, it says that in a tree desirable to make one wise, that is the pride of life. I want to be wise, so I'm going to eat of the tree, not understanding that all she had to do was ask God for wisdom, the same way that Solomon would eventually, thousands of years later, ask God for wisdom, and it would be granted to him because he so wisely asked for wisdom to go before the children of Israel. But had she just asked, God would have given freely, right? Instead, she wanted to do it her own way, the way that she desired, the things that she wanted and ultimately went and ate of the fruit because it was a desire to make one wise. So before all this happened, and, and here's the other thing I would say is I'm going to cut Eve a little bit of slack here because while this records the time that she ate the fruit, we don't know how many times that her and the serpent had that conversation. Okay, we don't know how many times that she that that how long it took for that desire to be built up in her, for it to build up to where she wanted. She was wanting that tree desperately. And ultimately the serpent came at the right time and said, You know what? You can have that tree because it will make you just like God. And she succumbed to the pride of life. Her flesh fell, her soul fell, her spirit fell, and then Adams did the exact same thing the moment that he ate of that fruit and put the desires of his wife above the desires of God. So you have to understand here that when when we look at iniquity, iniquity starts subtly. It starts with a simple thing, man, I really want that. And then it becomes a man, God, you know, I really want that. And then iniquity ends up with people going their own way, doing their own thing, and then trying to overlay God on top of it. And it doesn't work that way. God wants you to go his way. God wants you to go the way that he wants to, right? That's why iniquity is so 
imperative to understand and so imperative to overcome. But the only way to overcome it is to nail our flesh to the cross of Jesus Christ, which we talked about last time. But when we'll dive deeper into that a little bit later, but you got to understand where this comes from. So it starts all the way back to Adam and it starts all the way back to Eve where they they wanted what they wanted. They wanted it their way. And ultimately what it led to was the complete fall of mankind. Okay. Which ultimately led to the redemption of Jesus, of, of us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Through his sacrifice on the tree, on the cross for our sins, he, and, and his redemption and ultimately his resurrection. So if we can go the way of God, because at the end of the day, Adam and Eve did not go what do what God wanted them to, but Jesus Christ in the manner of flesh came and did exactly what God wanted to, even through obedience and love being nailed to that tree for our redemption. Amen. So understanding all of that, we understand that iniquity is born inside of us from the very beginning, right? But when, where did iniquity start to begin with? Well, it actually started in Lucifer and at the sun of the morning, if you will, um, back in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 14 through 16. So the Bible says, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. So we understand then that that Satan was created perfect as Lucifer until iniquity was found in him. What was that iniquity? It was that concept of self. Looking at the parallel scripture here in Isaiah chapter 14, we understand that starting at verse 12. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. So what do we hear? We hear Lucifer as a as an angel saying, I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this, right? Why? Because ultimately Lucifer, rather than being focused on the things of God, was rather focused on the things of himself and his pride and he wanted the things that he wanted. So the iniquity that was found in him was the concept of self of Lucifer wanting to more than what God had given him, not being content with the station that God had given him, which was as the praise leader back then, and not being being happy worshiping God and leading all the all the people of the earth into worship, but rather what he was worried about was he wanted to be God and he wanted to be more than what he was. That's a, a lot of the problem with people in the church right now. People are not content with the calling that God has placed in their lives. They want more and they want more 
and they want more. And that's not the case. That's why Paul said to abide in the calling in which you were called, because it's important for us. Those are the tools that God has given us to perform that work and that ministry. And we should be content with it. We should be happy with it. And we should move on with what God has for us. Amen. So you have to understand here that Satan, by getting Eve to eat the fruit of the tree, instituted the concept of self into mankind to be at enmity against God. That's why in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, that God said, the Bible says this, it says, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. God will not always strive with the flesh of man. Why? Because the flesh of man is that complete enmity with God. It, in fact, it can't even come anywhere near God because even at our you know, even at our best, in our own flesh, our self-righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. So because of the fall of man, because that they fell, the fullness of iniquity was put inside of Adam and Eve so that when they had Cain, the fullness of iniquity was in him. Because what did Cain say? Well, remember when Cain and Abel offered the their sacrifices before God, what ended up happening? In Genesis chapter four, in verse one, it says, now Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but, should, but you should rule over it. So what happens here is that Cain becomes introspective, right? He feels a slight because he was not respected by God and his offering wasn't respected. Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons why. The first one is that is that there had to be a blood sacrifice, and, and that's a different lesson for a different time. The other thing is that is that God made that lamb. God made that, that sheep of the flock. God's the one that raised it up, and all Abel did was, was offer it up as an offering, whereas Cain tilled the ground and did the work to raise up the the fruit and the the vegetables that he was offering okay because that's what he was offering back to the lord but all actuality god didn't want cain's offering because it was the work of cain's hands but rather abel's was the work of god's hands right because only the the work of god's hands was going to be acceptable so understanding that then that Cain looked introspectively at himself, became upset, distraught with God because God didn't honor his sacrifice because of the work of his hands. And then what did he do? He said that sin dwells at the door. If you don't do well, meaning if you don't understand and look more towards God, sin lies at the door because what happens is that the iniquity inside of you causes you to go a different way than what God has for you. So then in verse 8, we see what happens. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And Cain killed his brother because he was slighted by God because of the offering that he gave was not worth it. 
It would, that's the problem. It wasn't worthy because it was the work of his own hands. That's iniquity. That is exactly what iniquity is. Iniquity starts at a very small root. In this particular case, it was Cain not being honored before God with his offering, and it led to the murder of Abel. Okay, so that's what happens. The smallest slight, the smallest thing that we allow in from an iniquity standpoint can build and build and build up until it leads to something as as awful as the murder of, of Abel or something as awful as completely disobeying God and going your own way and doing exactly what you want. But that iniquity dwells inside you the same way that we see that it dwelled inside Cain. And it starts from the very beginning, right? Because I want you to think about a little kid. We think about innocence, you know, and, and the, the, the innocence of a child, but yet in it, you know, and, and I think about Isaac, my son, and he, comes up and he he gets really really proud of himself and you can see it like he just put a basketball through the basketball hoop for the first time last night on his little basketball hoop and he got so happy and so proud and you could say yeah we're all cheering him on right and he's like yeah you know i i did this i did this right and he was prideful about it and i thought to myself in that that instance man that is right there is the root of iniquity in every single one of us he doesn't even know what he's doing but yet there's a root of iniquity that comes from the very birth of anyone. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that my son's evil or that any babe is evil. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying is that it comes from the very birth of who we are. And that's why Jesus Christ had to come down. Because even at our best, from the very time we're out of the womb, right? Like we needed Jesus Christ. That's why in the book of Job, it says that man is just a few days in this world and full of trouble. So you understand this, right? That the basis of iniquity, the root of iniquity fault lies with Satan and with his fall because he said, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, right? We have to understand that same root of iniquity dwells within us. Okay, that's why that's why God said in the book of Proverbs that he despises even a proud look. Not just pride, but a proud look. Yet we see pride permeate itself through the through the church and through all these things. And a lot of people want to talk about their pet sins, you know, about the about about and talk about this group and about that group and how this group's sinning and how that group's sinning, but not recognizing that they're sitting in the and they're sitting in the sea of the scornful, talking in their own self righteousness outside of their own pride, which is based in their own root of iniquity because it has not been crucified with Christ and given to the cross of Jesus Christ to be worked on. That is why Peter told us to clothe ourselves in humility. Why? Because if we are, if we're clothed in humility, then it doesn't give rise to the root of iniquity that lives within us. But the only way to do that is to see us crucified with Christ. Because if we are crucified with Christ, a dead man has no concept of self. But to be crucified with Christ means to be resurrected into his likeness. Behold, all things pass away. Behold, all things have become new right? As Paul said in 2 Corinthians. So we have to understand here that the root of iniquity, the basis of iniquity starts with the fall of man. But before that, it goes back to Lucifer. And when he says, I will do this, I will do this. And he was created perfect until iniquity was found in him. So understanding that we can form a baseline of why Jesus Christ had to come. Okay. Because in us, in my own flesh dwells no good thing. Right, and that sense of pride, that sense of doing things my own way, that sense of doing what I want—you know—all of that doesn't matter because you got to want to do things the way that God wants you to do. But the only way to do that is to see your old flesh, that source of iniquity, to be crucified with Christ. Amen. Look, tough lesson, 
today, I get it, right? This isn't fun. This isn't this isn't the good, you know, God's, you know, coming around the corner and he's going to save the day type thing because he already did in Jesus Christ. But regardless of all that, you have to understand this, right? Because we have got to understand that our life is not our own, that we have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not us that lives, rather it's Christ that lives within us. Amen. Okay, so our song of the week this week comes from a band called Group One Crew and is from their 2008 album, Ordinary Dreamers. The name of the song is Closer. Absolutely love this tune. It is a great song. It's about getting closer to God. It's all about reaching out and calling out to him and getting as close to him as you possibly can. Don't never forget that our God is a consuming fire. So the closer we get with him, the more of our own flesh drops off and fades away, right? So that's so important because while we have the root of iniquity, the answer is Jesus Christ. Amen. And we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about this as we continue on in our lesson next time, where we're going to talk about being buried in baptism and resurrected in the newness of life, what that means, what that looks like, okay, and what it looks like in a practical application in your own life. Okay. Look, I hope you're getting something out of this. Again, if you have any questions about any of this, please drop me a note at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. I am here to help you. But until next time, just remember the simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless.